use the predictions as a way of helping your self and your organization think through the changes that we face and and also don't don't think that what we're going through what we're going through none of us have lived through a pandemic before on the other hand everybody's lived through periods of uh, intense change and 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 what we're experiencing is 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 iterations of change but within the world of work you do have skills and capabilities use the predictions as a way of helping you think through the issues and challenges and opportunities that you're you're facing at the moment in this episode of digital workplace impact i had a chance to sit down with paul miller ceo and founder of the digital workplace group and longtime author of dwg's predictions for the digital workplace it's hard to believe that the predictions are now in their eighth year As with previous generations, the 2022 edition is grounded in spotting patterns, both emerging and maturing. But what separates this year's predictions from previous ones is twofold. For one thing, Paul and I teamed up to co-write these predictions together for the first time. And of course, that was both a fascinating and fun collaboration with Paul. And secondly, it was both surprising and interesting to see how effortlessly uh, those predictions flowed and how for the first time they were actually grounded in a much more holistic view of what's needed generally, but also what's needed particularly at a time when there is so much uncertainty. And when you step back and and look at the predictions, they are really a cross-section of capability-driven and behavioral trends or patterns that articulate the combination of the what and the how now that the digital workplace is the essential workplace inside of many organizations. Join me now for a conversation with Paul about DWG's 2022 predictions for the digital workplace. Happy listening. So, Paul, I just can't believe that your predictions are now in their eighth year. And for those who are just coming into our circles, maybe we should just step back a little bit and talk about what the genesis was behind your predictions dating back to 2014. Yeah, well, um, thanks, thanks for um, having the conversation, Nancy. And um, I, I, the, the genesis for making these annual, uh, as they started off as intranet and digital workplace predictions and then digital workplace predictions was what I discovered was that in conversations that I was having throughout the year, I was sort of making all these notes of things that were happening in generally large organizations and the challenges that were happening and the opportunities that were happening and inevitably um, extracting patterns, themes. If something somebody says to you, we're struggling with collaboration, once you think that's interesting, if six or seven people say something similar then you start to realize that's actually a, a pattern. And what I, what I thought was that things don't evolve at the same time for every organization because life in work is not like that. Things happen at different stages. And so what actually I was absorbing were different 
patterns or occurrences that actually would affect the year ahead. So if somebody's got a challenge in one particular year, you know that it's something that they're going to want to address in the, in the year to come. So for example, improving the quality of real time communication. I remember in 2013, that was a, a, a something that was coming up as a, a theme for a lot of different organizations. So I then started to put those, I, I tried the idea of putting those things together into a series of predictions. And then the beautiful thing about having all of the members and clients in, in DWG is that you've got this sort of available focus group at any time. So what I decided to do was to test out Here's my 10 predictions for the year to come. What do you think? And actually, what I uh, heard back from people um, at you know one of the meetings in, in 2013 was, well, actually, this is really interesting and it provoked conversation and so on. So I thought, let's give this a go. Let's have some predictions and um, let's start from there. Well, that's the prospective side of the predictions. There's also a retrospective side, at least post 2014. So starting in year two, you added another layer to the prediction season, as I'll call it for this conversation. You started a scorecard to basically go back and look at your previous year's predictions, in addition to introducing the next segment. And Mm. of course, this year and last, we've been surrounded by a level of uncertainty that's unprecedented in our lifetimes. Hmm. And I'm really curious to see how your predictions from last year turned out. Yeah. and Well, and one of the reasons why when I started the predictions, I also wanted to retrospectively look at the year that had then passed, obviously I had to have a year under my belt to do that, was that I thought it's, it's, what's the point of listening to somebody's predictions if they haven't at least got a sort of track record of reasonable success? Because I think often people predict things and then they never really go back and say, hey, this, here's how I did. So I wanted that to be part of it. Um, and, and so I've done that sort of year on year. Uh, and what's interesting looking at the predictions from uh, 2021 is it was a, a, a pretty sort of standard year of prediction in that I, I scored, admittedly, it's a self-assessed score. I got seven and a half out of 10, which looking back from 2014, I started off at seven out of 10 in 2014, seven out of 10 in 2015, eight out of 10 in 2016, uh, my my year, my worst year was 2020, where I only got six out of ten, um, which we could come back to. And I think seven and a half out of ten is pretty pretty decent. The places where I scored myself a zero was that I predicted that virtual, augmented, and mixed reality online meetings would enable new experiences of emotional connection. Mainly because we've talked about it for 20 years, and I was thinking since. So much of the world is, of work has been meeting virtually that the quality of these alternative forms of reality in online meetings would ramp up. 
actually it didn't happen last year. I do wonder with some of the technology coming from Meta, as was Facebook, whether looking at, for example, the rollout of that technology across huge numbers of people in, say, Accenture, might actually mean that it does start to come more into fruition in 2022, though we haven't predicted it. Uh, but I, I scored myself a zero on that one. I also scored a, a half mark for saying that frontline and customer facing workers, you know, including key workers, would finally enjoy the digital acceleration they always deserve. So I always felt that that was a group, the frontline delivery side, the people at the kind of cutting edge of where work happens, uh, often were the least well served by technology and that that would improve it has improved but it hasn't transformed and the other one was that large organizations would open digital headquarters where we're all welcome i think there has been an increased focus around digital headquarters the idea of the nth floor which was a concept that microsoft came up with uh, has definitely ramped up but i haven't seen what i would call digital headquarters with some of the personality, quality and texture that you get in a physical headquarters. So I think seven and a half out of 10 was, was, was pretty solid. And I think Nancy, that the six out of 10 in 2020, which was my worst score since 2014, I, I thought was respectable in that obviously I predicted all of the 2020 predictions minus the pandemic and the disruptive effect, the cataclysmic effect that it had on the world of work, um, I hadn't forecast. And so I thought six out of 10 was not bad, given the Thunderbolt that arrived early in 2020. Thunderbolt year, that's quite an interesting way to put it, to say the least. But let's let's roll the clock forward. Let's go back to the future then and um, concentrate the rest of our time together talking about the 22 predictions. So let's start a little bit with the creative process, I'll call it. Um, what was new and different in crafting the 2022 predictions? Well, nothing really. I mean, one of the interesting things with almost whatever happens is that it's just input in a way. It's just information. It's just activity. So you've got the world of work. You've got the technology that surrounds the world of work and you've got human beings. And in the interactions between those three components, humans, things that human beings invent, generally, te generally technology, probably in the future, biology, um, and, and the world of work, there's, there's always a kind of, uh, melding together a clashing and and obviously we've had a period of accelerated friction if you like but the process of me extracting trends and patterns hasn't fundamentally changed and i i like things that are almost impervious to circumstance so you know in the past we've had work deeply disrupted through uh, climate events, uh, terrorism, accelerations of technology, um, sector collapses, the 2008 financial collapse, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but the process wasn't, uh, I would say, uh, fundamentally any different. I'm actually going to challenge you on that one, Paul. Okay. So for the first time, the predictions were created by collaboration. 
because you and I sat down <laughs> to write those predictions together. And so mm. you're no stranger to co-publishing co in the book arena. Mm. You've had co-authors for your second and third books, respectively. But this was the first time that you shared the stage on the predictions because we developed them together. So mm. I think it would be interesting to share why that came about this year. So why now? Well, actually, obviously, Nancy, since you were the co-author of the predictions for 2022, yeah, the process was was different. I was sort of talking about my way of approaching it. Um, why um, do this as a collaborative exercise? I, I, I think for me, they're not done in, in uh, isolation. You had... Um, kindly agreed to take over the hosting of the Digital Workplace Impact podcast, which I set up in 2016. You know, we, we hosted uh, for a few months together and then you took that on. And, and it just seemed to me a natural process to then start looking at the, if you're going to be hosting Digital Workplace Impact as a podcast, why not have the, the predictions become a joint collaborative effort and then of course our collaboration has as as sort of seamlessly moved into the succession planning without keeping this too much internally focused um to the structure and organization of the digital workplace group where i'm standing down as ceo at the end of the year and you're taking over as ceo so uh, i'll become creative director and you'll be um, doing the job that i'm currently doing so i think it's all part of a process of evolution for what you know i would see the consulting company that you and i uh, lead to exhibit which is the the qualities of a living system um you know we 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 often talk about organizations as not organizations but organisms not machines but living systems more like forests than factories and so this is a process of of evolution and i think that's uh feels completely coherent to do that around the predictions because they're not really my predictions these are patterns that are rippling through work that then get codified and and i certainly found um, going through that collaboratively uh, with you together uh, to be a really rewarding process. Yeah, but just I was going to say, Nancy, um, sorry to cut, cut in. I mean, tell me, um, how did you find it uh, producing the predictions? Uh, well, for you for the first time, but also doing it um, collaboratively. Well, I'd say, of course, not surprisingly, there's... Um a level of collaboration that we experience day to day in running Digital Workplace Group. So for me, it felt like this was just a natural extension of what we do day to day. And there was just a level of flow. And I think that's probably the thing that surprised me the most because it, for me, it was uncharted territory. For you, it was, you know, your eighth plus cycle of working through crystallizing patterns. And because we're so much in touch with not only our members, but also our wider industry circles, I think that's part of why there is such flow in that process. So that was kind of my aha, looking back on that process. And um, certainly I felt like it was, you know, an intellectually stimulating 
process to go through as well, and has certainly flowed into lots of interesting conversations since in, you know, as you pointed out, feeding the, the strategic conversations that our members and our wider circles are having vis-a-vis the digital workplace day to day. So it felt like it was an amplifier. Uh, you know, there was more texture behind my ability to talk about the predictions because I was invested in a different way. I guess I'm curious as to whether there was anything that surprised you about the predictions this year, just given that, you know, we are starting to shift from pandemic to endemic. Yeah, well, I think I think one of the I mean, COVID has been a a, a seismic transformational moment in in the world of work. Um, I, I mean, I'm struggling to think of a time where work has been so much the focus of attention. Work itself has been the focus of attention as, as it has been and continues to be, um, uh, that, that's equivalent to what happened through the pandemic. I mean, there's obviously the industrial revolution, which happened over decades, the movement from an agrarian way of working to a, uh, urban, uh, and, and then suburban way of working, the rise of the industrial age. And I think we're still in that, uh, transformation. So obviously work itself has been headline news. Um, I mean, it was headline news in the UK, uh, yesterday when the idea of people working from home was basically over yesterday and now it's everybody back to the office sort of six weeks after people were told to go and work at home again and and so work itself is is under a kind of analysis constantly everybody's talking about it at, at, at parties uh dinners conversations meetings and so on um so there's that what i would say is the the diversity of topics that i think are in the predictions through our collaboration is, is, I, I think there's a kind of granularity and a variety that I've not seen before. So we've got the first prediction, dynamic working will pave the way for a new breed of hybrid leaders. So if we're going to have hybrid working, we need hybrid leadership. What are the qualities of hybrid leadership? Authentic, authenticity, empathy, ambiguity, decisiveness, agility. And then the physical world of work will remain in a midlife crisis, which is where I think it is. Things about citizen developers, uh, the idea of fostering belonging, the rise of business intelligence, um, you know, the, the importance of, uh, Microsoft fever and the hybrid culture wars. Wow. These predictions are really each one is almost like a, a, a kind of essay in itself and a point of discussion and debate. So I, I'm, I, I feel the kind of breadth of, of insight that comes from predicting in the digital workplace is, is what I've not seen before. Somebody said to me over at one of the organizations in, in Silicon Valley, the digital workplace itself has moved into a new phase of growth and evolution and is so hot as a topic and will be for 10 years. And I, I, I think that's probably true. Again, Nancy, what, what for you has surprised you through the predictions? I have to say that we're very complementary in our thinking. I would couch it slightly differently in the sense that I think digital workplace practitioners, whether it's 
you know, the leadership side or the wider teams involved are seeing a shift in their roles um, where they have been tacticians. They are now agents of change. And the digital workplace is as much about the what and the how now, because these teams need to be thinking about um, not only the capabilities, but also the behavioral side at multiple levels, not just the stakeholder side and bringing together HR and technology and communications and others that need to make this strategic asset deliver its best in a very uncertain world, but also give thought to how to give people confidence to know the right tools to do the right jobs, to make the right business impact and to grow professionally at a time when there are a lot of uncertainties that pull on things like well-being and some of the softer elements that we bring to work and recognize now. And so thinking within the digital workplace has to be more strategic, has to be more holistic. And if you look at the predictions, they reflect that. They mirror that quite strongly now. And so that was kind of my aha moment coming out of that question. Mm. Yeah. And um, it's I don't know why it's coming to my mind, but um, one of the things that I, I I posted up um, on social media this week was um, a manifesto that I put in the book that I wrote a decade ago, mainly because it's, it is a, an anniversary of it, the digital workplace, how technology is liberating work. And I, and I put in things from the manifesto just to see whether these things stood the test of time. Um, but, but what I didn't put in was that the top 10 future impacts of the digital workplace, which I posted in the book, 10 years ago, and I'll just read you from the top. Large office buildings will disappear and become relics of a bygone age. Most people will work from a range of new facilities, such as co-working hubs, flexible bases, close to where they live. The countryside in major economies will be repopulated, creating communities that are neither city nor countryside. Um, the blurring of work life along with connection addiction will become serious health issues akin to obesity and levels of attention. I won't go on. Um, physical meetings will become special, rare and highly valued. And it makes me think that actually what we're starting to realize, and, and I think the predictions are a sort of annual snapshot of this, is that the work left the office years ago. The, office, the, the culture of work didn't leave the office, but work left the office. And now what we saw through the pandemic was that because you could work in large swathes of the economy wherever you wanted, we were able to adapt to this different way of working really very, very well. I think one of the untold stories of the pandemic is the way that technology delivered and performed I mean, imagine if the pandemic had happened 15 years ago when the technology was not nearly as capable as it was in 2020. So I, I do feel that um, that has brought into our prediction some of the kind of capability that's been in these predict uh, has been in the digital workplace for for quite a while. Mm. And when you think about the fact that so many organizations, including DWG member companies, 
were able to pivot large groups of people to work from home in a matter of weeks, mm. as opposed to the cycle of things some years ago, really reflects the fact that um, there has been a coming of age for the digital workplace. And in fact, just to echo the point that I made earlier, that the more challenging side of things during the pandemic has been the impact on people more than the technology change per se. Mm. And so um, nurturing um, how people get things done when they are working from home, but suddenly now there are more layers because there were either parents in the home environment, children in the home environment, adding a level of complexity and new stressors that never existed in quite this way before was really part of the fabric of what digital workplace practitioners and of course, HR professionals too, were navigating in new and different ways as, as part of the last year. I'm going to do a 180, Paul, and, and just, I always love to bring in the member perspective on things. And so, of course, we had a chance to chat with our members and preview the predictions as part of one of our online sessions last quarter. And I'm curious as to what your biggest takeaways were from the discussion. You mentioned that there's a level of collaboration that's been involved in informing predictions over the years and the member voice has been part of that yeah i mean i i think this is the this is one of the most rewarding parts of the of the predictions is being able to iterate in conversation with people if you like doing this work inside major organizations because all i'm sort of doing is sort of synthesizing things that i'm hearing and seeing feeding that back and then people are kind of reacting to it. I think the interesting one was there's always something that, that, that there's refinements that, that happen to them. So the one that stayed with me from, um, this year's kind of member focus was prediction number 10, which changed from being around anthropology, analytics and behavior, um, providing real site, real time insights into how work happens, which didn't kind of, it wasn't that people said that's wrong. It just didn't get a lot of attention. But the one that people referred to that was actually not featured and now does feature was that knowledge management takes center stage again, combating the exodus of insight caused by the great resignation, great migration, great reshuffle. Um, and, and actually, yet again, knowledge management being called to the fore as organizations deal in real time with this dissipation of know-how, of insight, of intelligence, of capability. Uh, I mean, I heard a really sort of sad story um, from one uh, organization and and this individual was talking about how they, they were progressively going to meetings where there were sort of fewer and fewer people in the team there. And it's all, there's almost a level of grief and kind of bereavement going on uh, at a human level. But there's also just that knowledge of so-and-so knew lots about X and who knows about that now. And organizations cannot, in a way, suffer that risk ongoingly if there is going to be a level of uh the great 
migration, great resignation for the next few years, then starting to provide some knowledge management resilience, I think is that's the one that's uh, come back and 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 basically replaced the one around analytics and behavior. Yeah, it sounds like that was quite a, a powerful pivot off the back of that member session. I guess the other thing that struck me as part of that conversation was the fact that in previous years, it felt like a lot of the conversation centered around trying to understand where things were going. Whereas this year, in large part, when we were talking with our members, it was more about a conversation of amplifying the themes a yes and conversation so that people were with us about these patterns and already starting to recognize how those kernels were germinating within their own organization. So that's why I'm using the yes and. So Mm. yes, I understand. Yes, I see it. Yes, I feel it. And let's talk about what the implications are. Mm. Yeah. 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 No, I think, um, there's a um, a kind of I, I think there's less openness to the idea of I call it kind of grand speculation, and there's a more of a desire to focus on what can I practically be doing and applying now that can be really useful, because I think um, the, I think the digital workplace is is performing well in the pan, uh, in the changes forced on it by the pandemic but i think the physical world of work as we've said in our predictions is is in a state i've called it midlife crisis or we've called it midlife crisis but it's actually it's in a state of deep confusion and and uncertainty nobody really knows where people are going to work at the moment there are some industries where people have to work in certain situations that's simple. It's almost like if you're trying to predict the future of physical work in a hospital, it's not that difficult to predict how work is going to happen in 10 years time. But if you're trying to predict that for a, uh, an insurance firm with multiple different offices in multiple different places and said, where, where and how is work going to happen in 10 years time? I don't think anybody could really say with any certainty what that's going to look like. And consequently, something that people can focus on that's actionable now, I think is, is, is as you said, is, is really uh, important for people. You talked about grand speculation. And of course, my brain went to the idea of the super prediction that mm. you used to cap off that conversation. And so maybe we can spend a moment or two unpacking that. So let's start with unveiling it for those who haven't yet read the predictions. What was it and what informed it? Well, it's uh, the super prediction, which is my sort of grand prediction for 2022 was advanced digital workplaces connect large workforces, ensuring a resilience against the unexpected. It's not really a prediction that's that strange or hard to recognize. Digital workplaces become more advanced. They provide greater resilience for the unexpected. But I think what's why that is a super prediction is that organizations know that uncertainty, fragility, and adaptability in the world of work is, is here 
for the long term. Therefore, our digital workplaces really need to be robust and capable to withstand whatever is going to come next. So, so that's the super prediction for, for, for 2022. Yeah, there have been some years where things have been a little bit more, I don't know, esoteric or philosophical or strategic, but I think that's where, where organizational focus will be in 2022. And I, I can't help but make a, tie into the nature of work book. And that is to say that when you think about the 12 elements that are within the nature of work book, it would be helpful to literally take a page from it to say, navigating this window of time where there is a lot of uncertainty can be best grounded by asking lots of questions. And when I think about how the Nature of Workbook is structured, it puts forth ideas, challenges, but then it tackles them by introducing a thoughtful set of questions. And the most powerful tool we have right now is not a roadmap, but actually natural inquisitiveness as a way of uncovering the path we need to take during this time of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that's true. I think people are looking like, I mean, I've heard this from one organization working in the physical workspace um, yesterday, which is that people don't want, um, if you like, consultants, external uh, in, uh, experts to come in and tell them, give them the solutions. They want them to help that they want to be assisted, assisted, facilitated to think through the process. So if, if we're looking at how do we deal with issues of hybrid working, don't tell us do this, help us think through for our particular organization, in our particular regions, in our particular sector, with this particular demographic, how we deal with these issues. Um, and, and I think that's a healthy thing, really. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so I'm conscious that our time together for this conversation is coming to its final moments. So my favorite question is always to ask you, what have we missed? And that could be a final reflection, a question, what will inspire you next? Anything goes. Well, I mean, I suppose the main thing is use the predictions as a way of um, helping your self and your organization think through the changes that we face and and also don't don't think that what we're going through it, what we're going through none of us have lived through a pandemic before on the other hand everybody's li lived through periods of uh, intense change and 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 what we're experiencing is 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 iterations of change but Within the world of work, you do have skills and capabilities to think. Remember what you did in 2008. Think about things you've done when other things, mergers and acquisitions, and try and apply some of the principles that served you through those changes and use the predictions as a way of helping you think through the issues and challenges and opportunities that you're, you're facing at the moment. 
That's a great way to cap off this discussion, Paul. Of course, you know, I always leave these conversations feeling energized and inspired. So it was really fitting to, to bring you back into the studio to have a conversation early in the new year and help set a tone for things that people should be thinking about. And um, just a big thank you for coming back into the Digital Workplace Impact podcast studio today. It's been a pleasure, Nancy, and, and, and it was a pleasure developing the predictions with you. Digital Workplace Impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry, not only through membership, but also benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.